Good morning, everybody. Um, I do have one more announcement from Julie. Uh, we need a, a sign up for the hamburgers and hot dogs. For the hamburgers and hot dogs tomorrow. Uh, there's a sign up sheet back here. And uh, my message today is um, talking about uh, coping in, in hard times. Um, you know, it's referred to as, you know, trials, tribulations uh, in the Bible. But in it, it's hard times, you know, we're, we're going to have some hard times. And the good news is that that's part of the plan, because <laughs> that's part of how we're going to uh, be, be chastened and disciplined. And one thing that will help us get closer to God. So the first uh, scripture that I have today is James 1 and verses 2 through 4. And it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, are we having trials? You know, why are we having? And how can we triumph in spite of them? Well, everyone at some point will experience trouble to some degree. Um, having a little trouble, you know, let, let me give you a little advice. Don't get a haircut a week before you're supposed to be showing up at some kind of function or something because it just don't act right. Um, and maybe that's just me. I don't, I don't know. Uh, some people, I won't mention that, don't have that problem, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and um, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. You were just there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in Ecclesiastes, back in the Old Testament, chapter 2 and verse 23, it says, For all his days are sorrowful, and his work is burdensome, and even in the night his heart takes no rest. So, uh, and that's just part of, part of being uh, part of mankind, part of being a human being, I believe, and, and he was talking about somebody specific there. But uh, I think it applies to all of us. But then, way back in the, in the back of the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, we read that Paul writes, All who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. It's not you might, it's not there's a good chance. No, you will. You will suffer persecution. And it might be, persecution just from the the world around us you know people you know might make fun of you somebody might uh, decide that well you're just not worth listening to and you know even to extreme measures where in, in some countries if you're if you profess to know God and you're a Christian then you can be actually put to death for that so just be be ready for that and be strong because it's going to take many tribulations for us to enter into the kingdom of God. So we all have tough times, but we can still find joy and faith. And Jesus said, I don't remember the exact verse here, but you know, he said, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. And uh, I found a quote and it was saying, God had one son on earth without sin, but he never had one without suffering. 
So if Jesus Christ went through the suffering that he did too, and he, and he says, he says, look, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also for my name. So in your struggles, God is trying to do something in you. Sometimes he wants to do something through you, and sometimes it's both. He wants to do something in and through you. So knowing the purpose behind the trials and the tribulations makes them a little easier to deal with. And here are some reasons that we go through them. Maybe he wants to help us recognize a spiritual need that we have. Sometimes it's to bring redemption. You know, in the, uh, they call it the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. But, you know, one thing he says is, says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I used to have a problem with that. I said, well, the poor in spirit, that seemed to me to be a, uh, a bad thing. You're, you're a poor spirit. You're a bad spirit. <laughs> you're, uh, uh, you're just not living up to your potential. But I've come to a little bit different opinion on that. And I think that, you know, think about it. If we're giving, if we're given spiritual, I, I'm sorry, physical poverty, then that can allow us to get the spiritual poverty to be poor in spirit so that we can get to the right place. If we're feeling down and, and drug out and, and, you know, you, there's nothing left but, but the lifeline to reach out to, to the Father and Jesus Christ, who is the bridge between the two. So different trials are designed to help us to know these things. Now, back in the Old Testament again, Second Chronicles, chapter 32 and verse 31, talking about Hezekiah and this goes to, to something uh, Ron had said some, uh, about being rich. And I, I, was, I was going to recall that. I couldn't remember exactly what it was he said, but after I read this, maybe. Uh, but it says, God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Because God tests us. Just, and he did the same thing to Abraham. He gave Abraham a test. And that was a rough test. I don't know if I would have been able to pass that one. Uh, you know, sacrifice your son. The son that I've given you. The son you've been waiting for for all your life. You know, maybe 80, 90 years uh, at that point. I know he was really old because his wife laughed when, you know, when, when, when she heard that she was going to have a child. Um, but when he said that to Hezekiah, and I'll read it again because it says, God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. So Hezekiah, you know, he thought that he was rich and had everything under control, but he didn't realize that he had a lot of pride in his heart. So God tested him by, you know, bringing him down a notch or two to take that pride away because pride is a very dangerous thing. Now we can have, you know... Sometimes we, we can be proud of our kids. We can be proud of our grandkids. We can be proud of, uh, you know, our, our, our life. But that, that pride of life, that's the thing that really gets us. And uh, Satan, that was his big crime, was pride. Uh, he decided, that he said, well, I'm going to take over. You know, I'm, I'm just as good as God, uh, the Father. I, I can take over this whole place and we'll run things the way I want to because... I know the best way to do it. And a lot of us, uh, me, 
specifically, you know, sometimes I'm like, ah, you know, stand back. I got this. You know, let, let me take care of this. And uh, then lots of times it comes down to, well, I'm having a trial or some kind of uh, uh, tribulation because of that. So have you ever been tried and found out something about yourself that you didn't even know or weren't even looking for? In Exodus chapter 9 and verse 27, we see an example of this. And the Pharaoh said, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people are wicked. Now this was a guy who had it all. He was the leader of the most powerful nation on earth, it, it, at least as far as, they, you know, in, in that general area. Um, I don't know what might have been going on with the Aztecs and Incas at that time, but, um, but here in the, in, the, in, the, in the Middle Eastern part, the you know, so-called cradle of civilization, Egypt was it. I mean, if you could, you know, anybody that tried to fight up against Israel, for many years and, and centuries, they had a really tough time at it because they were the, the superpower of the day. But even Pharaoh, after the, the, uh, the, the, the plagues that had come through, he said, I have sinned. The Lord is righteous, the Lord of you people, and my people are wicked. So even hard-hearted old Pharaoh came to realize his wickedness as he went through the plagues along with the rest of Egypt the rest of his country. Now sometimes trials are meant to humble us. And those are the tough ones for me. <laughs> uh, you know, because we, it'll, it'll take us down, take us down just like I was talking about Satan. You know, it knocks some pride out of us. So we need to humble ourselves. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, it says, So he humbled you, he allowed you to hunger and to feed you with manna, which you did not know, that he might make you know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, you might have heard that before. Uh, out in the wilderness for 40 days when he was down, uh, Satan came to tempt Christ after his, his baptism when he, when he began his ministry. And... You know, he was, he was saying, I ah, just, hey, I know you're hungry and you're not feeling good. Ah, just make some bread out of these rocks here and you'll feel better. But Jesus, pretty smart guy, you know, he knew what he was getting at. He knew that he was misapplying the scriptures in order to try to get him, get Jesus to try to bow down and worship Satan. So Jesus came back with that scripture. He says, you don't live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what it's talking about there was the Israelites, they had gone out of food. They were out in the wilderness and they ran out of food and water and, and they had to turn to God for their sustenance. Uh, they were attacked by enemies from time to time. And they learned on a daily basis to depend on God. And God is the lifeline. You know, depend on God. Don't, don't depend on ourselves because that's just a losing proposition. So they were humbled. It was humbling to them, but it was also very healthy in a spiritual sense. Now in Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21, he says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river, 
that we might humble ourselves before God. Get rid of the pride. Get rid of the, all the things that you think that you can, you can do yourself. And, uh, and it's, it's all about you know, humility. Humility is, a, is the best thing. You've got to humble yourself before you can receive a lot of the spirits of God. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7 through 8, this is Paul writing. It says, God deals with us as sons. For what son is there whom the father doesn't chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which you become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, if we have human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect, shall we not so much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live and receive life. Um, so, you know, fathers who corrected us, um, I'm like the, the last year of the boomer generation, so I don't know how many after me came up like this, but I, you, hey, it started out with getting swatted on the hand when I was a baby, then I graduated to spankings over the knee and then the paddle, and, and then finally around nine or 10, I graduated to the belt. And let me tell you, I'm not saying that that made me a good person because I wasn't. It actually, actually, it made me kind of a sneaky because I just wanted to, you know, I wouldn't confess to my dad the bad things I did, even though it was always worse. But he found out later and somehow he always found out. Um, I blame the people in the congregation because they were looking at me all the time. But, you know, uh, but when it did, ah, I was so much worse. You know, it seemed like I got an extra two or three licks with that belt. And, uh, and that belt just really, really t t taught me some lessons. Uh, whether they were the good ones or not, like I said, sometimes it taught me to be sneaky because I was just full of pride. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to bow down to this guy. But yeah, when that comes across your backside a few times, it makes you, makes you really think about your, your place in life. Um, so sometimes we as human parents, um, we don't always, you know, we, we want to do the best for our kids, but it doesn't, we don't always do it for the best reasons or in the correct way. Uh, we're doing our best, but when God does it, when God disciplines us, chastens us, he's doing it for a profit. And, and, and by profit, I mean something that's going to be good for us. It profits us. God doesn't need profit. He's God. He's everything. He's, he's truth. He's love. He's the creator. And nothing is greater than God. And so back into the scriptures again. In Job chapter 5 and verse 17. says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. And then over few books there is in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 through 12. Same line of reasoning here. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his corrections. For whom he loves, he corrects. It's love. It's all about love. Everything God does is love. Nothing he can do can't be love because he is love personified. That's what he is. That's who he is. And sometimes we go through trials 
because it helps us focus on the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. So we're, we're going through all these things and we need to patiently deal with the struggles of this life. Uh, they may seem long and it may seem like that uh, we're just never getting anything there. But really, the short, even, even our, our lifespan is nothing compared to the eternity and the glory that God has for us in eternity. And it's because of his love for us. That's why we suffer trials. That's why we have tribulations. Sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Sometimes it's something God has sent um, to, to help us to reach the, the point that he wants us to be at. And uh, you were talking uh, Somebody was talking about, I think it was Ron, talking about kicking against the goads <laughs> the other day. And, and boy, it, you know, it's easy for me to do that. And, I, it's, I, and when I do get humbled, it's, well, it's a very humbling experience. <laughs> because uh, um, it's just, I, I realize again, my, uh, of my own volition, I, I can't do, do much of anything. And, um, uh, the, the song I did the, the first day, the one about you know, what I believe, it talked about you know some trial and tribulation I had where I, I, I went away from the church and I thought, well, no, this is just too hard. I don't want to do it. And then I had to humble myself and to come back to God and, and just ask him, please, you know, if, if it's not too late, if I haven't just gone too far over the, the deep end, if you can't, please have mercy on me. And... And he did. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm here today. And, and, and this was, oh, that was, it was 12, 12 years ago or so when I had that little crisis of faith. So um, his love is boundless. I mean, it absolutely knows no bounds. I've got a couple of grandkids. Uh, and they live up in Ohio now. And I hated to see the family move from Galveston because... That was close. I mean, every weekend or every other weekend, at least, I'd be down there. And that's when the, the baby girl was born. And uh, I have a grandson now, but he was born way up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, pretty far from Texas. And, you know, I kind of hate that. But um, I do get to go see him a couple times a year. Uh, her birthday is in March and his is in September, so that's a good just a good six months apart. And so I try to get up there for for each one of their birthdays. And I was just there uh, two or three weeks ago. And of course, uh, Cordy, she's four, and and she's you know she she can talk to me and, and have great conversations with me, and she likes to tell jokes and and I just and but my my point is I oh man I love. Her. I, I love my grandson too. I love him to death, and he's uh, uh, my daughter calls him a sack of bricks because he's, he's two years old. Guy weighs forty-two pounds, and I'll tell you what, when you're sitting there in the recliner and he decides he's going to jump up in Papa's lap, it's like a couple of bowling balls being dropped on you from the ceiling. Uh, and one thing that's funny about him is you, know, you say, "Hey, come give Papa a kiss," and if he feels like doing it at the time. He could be all the way across the room. Well, his lips are all pursed up and he's running across the, the whole place the whole time. And um, 
so he's, and, and he, he's getting to know me. Uh, a little girl, she, she knew me from the time she was a, a tiny baby. But I would, there's, there's nothing that I wouldn't do for them. I mean, I would, I would, I would lay down my life for them if, that's, if it came down to it. I would certainly put myself in harm's way. Um, and I'm, I might not do that for everybody in the world. Um, but, you know, Jesus... The love that he showed when he came down, he divested himself of his glory. And uh, there's a there's a song from way back, and it says, uh, "You know, he left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lo- lonely hill of Golgotha, where he laid down his life for me." And it wasn't just me; it was all of y'all. I mean, every put put you and and even people that aren't here, even people like you know. <laughs> Hitler and Paul Pot and or Nancy Pelosi and, and, and Joe Biden. I mean, even them, even all those people, uh, he did it for all of us. And if that isn't love, the song goes on. It says, "If that isn't love, then the oceans are dry. There's no stars in the sky, and sparrows don't fly. If that isn't love, then life is a myth, and there's no feeling like this. If that isn't love, and." He did. I mean, that is such great love that he showed for us. And it's, it's, it says, I think it was Paul, you know, said that uh, no greater love than any man, no greater love has any man than this, that he would lay down his life. And he didn't just do it for his friends. He did it for everybody, even the enemies, even the ones that were sitting there pounding the nails into his flesh and stabbing him in the side and, and beating him. It was all love for all of those people. It was all of humanity. And so we should show such great love that it shines through us in everything that we do. You know, we're supposed to be the beacon on a hill. I always like to think of a a lighthouse. I don't know if y'all have ever been to a lighthouse. Uh, (laughs) Well, that's bright. I I mean, I knew it was a big, bright light, but don't look at it. Don't look at it directly, that's for sure. Um, I was in, in one up in uh, New England when I was a kid. I was about you know, 10 or 12 years old. And uh, it just really surprised. It took me by surprise, you know, how bright that light was. And, and um, I'm not blind today, but, boy, for an hour or two, I thought I might be. I was seeing what, spots everywhere in front of my eyes. But uh, so we should show the love, and, and that love should shine through us. And people should be able to look at us and see that there's something different. And so we should keep our word and we should help people. And I'm coming to the end, but I would like to reference um, just a little piece of of another song that uh, it's a song by a guy named Chuck Gerard. And and it's it's a little bit kind of funny and kind of ditty, but he says... Basically, he was running around and he was witnessing to everybody. And, and he was saying, oh, man, I'm telling them all about Jesus as I witnessed to a drunkard outside a tenement and told him all about that, you know, Jesus was sent. And he, he just telling these people and not only the drunk guy, but the drug addict and the guy that worked in the store. And he was going in there and just kind of kind of pounding it into him, says, look, look, Jesus did this for you. You, sh- you need to be saved. You need to uh, come uh, be, be be humbled and, and let him live your life and and the chorus of it is witness 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 all the time such a little witness see him shine see him shine see him shine 
it was pride. He, he was out there and he was trying to shove this down people's throat. And, he, and the, the song kind of ends like that. He says, uh, yeah, basically, you know, when I got home, I thought about it. I'm the pride and I almost cried because I brought him a message and I've given them a little shove, but I left out the most important thing. I didn't show them love. So love is, is the key. Um, and Jesus was, came and, and showed that. And it's just a reflection of the Father. Somebody told him one time, he says, says, good master, you know, why do you teach these things? Or what, what are you doing? He said, don't, why are you calling me good? I'm not good. This is Jesus. Jesus Christ, after he became the Messiah, after he was baptized, and he was his ministry. He says, I'm not good. Only my father is good. And I try to emulate him. And so... Uh, we just need to be sure that we're always coming at things in, in, a, in a manner of love. And um, I'm going to close out. I've got a couple of verses. And the first one is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. And well, this is just a really good one. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. As though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I become sounding brass or just a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could even move mountains, if I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. So just like that guy in the song, he was out, he was probably saying kind of the right things, but it was the attitude in his heart and, and, the, and the way that he was going about it that may very well have kept people from seeing uh, the, the wonderful good news that he was teaching them. And then finally, Romans eight thirty eight, and I'm turning there, I really don't need to, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Romans eight thirty eight. He says, "I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, or things to come, you know, things in the past, things in the future, not height or depth or any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord." And that's. I, I, man, I, I really take that to heart. I, I love that. Because there's nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God uh, except ourselves. Okay, we, we can, and it's not that he quits loving us, but we can separate ourselves from that love by just uh, not, not being humble and allowing him uh, to, to work through us and live through us. So not only are we going to have tribulations, we're going to have hard times, but that's all done in love by God because he's trying to discipline us and strengthen us. And we can never be separated from that love. Thank you.